0: We are starting a new series today, and it is called Intend, Walking with Christ in Community. We are going to be focusing on the together in Christ part and the community part, and we're going to be talking about transformation. So I want to I want to just make this clear from the beginning. And if you wanted to buy this book, then you would be like have a head start on all of this. I am significant parts of this series are based on the book Life Together in Christ by Ruth Haley Barton. She also has a podcast, and um, this particular book is the um, material for season two of that podcast and so if you were interested in that you could listen and and have extra um material that goes along with what I'm sharing. I've also taken material from Pastor Craig's series last year at this season between Easter and Pentecost Sunday. He used the the text that he read um, from the Emmaus Road, and the the book, Life Together in Christ, is completely using the Emmaus Road experience. And so uh, I'm using some of, uh, I'm reviewing some of those sermons too, and it's feeding into this. There are some key words that we're going to look at, define, peel the layers like peeling an onion as we go through this four weeks, this four weeks of this series. One is intend, which is, is talking about intention, having a mindful on purpose attitude about community and about transformation. One is tend as intending a garden. Craig planted plants this weekend um, in our garden and cultivating that and nurturing it. And so it's that kind, it's that season. Everybody's out in their yard tending things. And so we're going to kind of think about that metaphor of tending, nurturing the life that we have. We're going to focus on transformation, which is something we are called to, is to be transformed. And then community. We'll talk about types of communities, some of the ways it might make us feel when we think about community, and then putting that together. What could it be like, or what is it like, what will it be like to be part of a transforming community? So today we read about the disciples on the road to Emmaus, and we're going to consider the metaphor of path. Next week we will talk about place, the following week presence, And then the final week, proclamation. So today, path. We want to put into practice what choosing to walk together on the path and what that will look like as we experience the abundant life of Jesus. And so I want to review a little bit from Easter Sunday, which was two weeks ago. Can you believe it? Easter was already two weeks ago. And then we had our special guest last week, From Easter Sunday, that's the day we celebrated the resurrection of our Lord. And the story that we just read happened on that day, the day of the resurrection. That's when these disciples are walking along this road. And the resurrection brought about a forever change um, that wasn't just a supernatural anomaly of the moment or of that day. It changed everything forever. These disciples didn't even fully comprehend what had happened yet. But George Ladd states, the resurrection of Jesus is not simply an event in history. Supernatural, yeah, but not in the usual sense of the word. It is not the disturbance of the normal course of events. It is the manifestation of something utterly new. Eternal life has appeared in the midst of mortality. So Jesus described this kind of life. As he was teaching, he said he's the good shepherd and that the good shepherd laid down his life for the sheep, which is what happened on the cross. And then he goes on to say that he's also the gate or the door, the way to enter. And he says, those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely. They'll find good pastures. And then he says this, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. We discuss that through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, we are able to receive that eternal life into this mortal existence. And instead of death reigning in our bodies, the abundant, surging, thirst-quenching, rivers-of-living-waters kind of life, it's now reigning within our life. We are made new, transformed, we are created to live life alive. Or overcoming fear, anxiety, oppression, depression, every evil thing because there is a thief. He does wish to kill, steal, and destroy, but we're going to overcome that because we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus, our risen Lord. So I want to take us further down this path, deeper into our hearts and minds, and more complete in our understanding in terms of what does that mean, living this life. In the New Testament, Believers were always a community, an us, and a we, and each other, and together, an assembly, a gathering, not for the purpose of entertainment or sales or training or skill development, but as the evident and current expression of the body of Christ in this time and this space as a living testament to the risen Savior, as a people bound together with the indescribable and undeniable love of God. There is no teaching in the scripture on life alone in Christ. But the mistakes and failures that many of us have experienced within Christian community makes us especially vulnerable to think, maybe I don't need anybody else. Our Western mindset feeds into this quite handily, and I grieve in my heart because I think our enemy, the devil, is rubbing his grubby little hands together in delight every time he can convince another one of Jesus' followers to isolate themselves, withdraw and withhold love, and try living out their Christian life without living in community with Christians. Now you're here. (laughs) So you're the ones that have decided to be in church. So, yay. Awesome. (laughs) Thank you. But as we go through this, I want to develop this further where... You, I want you to be able to give a succinct answer to this question. Why do you go to church? My hope is that as we commit together to being and continuing to be a transforming community, the natural outgrowth will be personal transformation and empowerment for invitation, extending our witness among those that we influence going off script for a minute but I was thinking about this today I'm 58 years old and honestly I don't know how many Sundays of church I've missed in my entire life but it's certainly less than 50 (laughs) it's it's I I and what does that say about me well it says I I was raised to go to church You know, that's just been a part of my life. I was raised, I went to church as a kid, I went to church as a teenager, I got married, and my husband turned out to be a minister. We've just been in church, always. I'm not saying that as a boast. I'm going to say I haven't always been functioning in community even though I've been in church. And so I just want to—I want us to understand that what we're talking about is deeper than just, yes, I go to church. That's kind of like an important, important part of it, but it's more than that. Okay, so that's a little off script, but carrying on. So now let's go to the Emmaus Road. Let's walk along with these disciples. One of them was named Cleopas, and this is the only place we meet him in Scripture. We're not given the other one's name. Some have suggested it was Cleopas's, that's a really hard thing to say, that person's wife. Um, Others have said that maybe it was Luke himself, and he was just trying to be humble and not name himself while he was writing this story. Others have said uh, maybe just another unknown disciple. We don't know for sure. But in her book, uh, Ruth Haley Barton suggests that it's helpful for this one to be unnamed because it helps us to imagine ourselves there a little easier. Thinking about what it may have been like to be walking on that road on that day. So let's engage the imagination a little bit. We're walking along this road, having this conversation, basically in... amazement and confusion and not knowing what's next they were very much between the now and the not yet they had just experienced the most dramatic three days of all human history the emotional highs and lows are difficult for us to fathom We relive it every year. We tell the story every year. We remember and we want to remember, but they were actually there. They had hoped that Jesus was the Messiah and then had all their hopes and dreams completely torn away with Jesus' death. Now they had just heard extraordinary news, an empty tomb, but they weren't all the way certain what that meant. They were amazed at the women's story, but not quite sure if they believed it. And what would it mean if Jesus was resurrected? Then what? So they're between the now and the not yet when Jesus comes up to them. And the truth is we are also between the now and the not yet. We are between Christ's first coming and his second coming. Hebrews 2 says that we do not yet see all things under Jesus authority. But we do look forward in hope to that happening. Beyond this universal kingdom reality, we each experience what Richard War calls liminal space. It's where you're in between The now and the not yet. You know it's coming, but you're not sure when, you're not sure what. You're kind of between and hanging out. So this is quoting from Life Together in Christ. For you see, all of us are on our own Emmaus road, somewhere between the now and the not yet, in some area of our lives. The disrupting event could be something as traumatic as the loss of a job the breakup of a marriage or some other close relationship, the death of a loved one, a betrayal of some sort, where something has been taken from us forcibly and the new has not yet come. Or it could be something a little more subtle, like a sense that it is time to let go of one thing in order to be open to something new. A negative pattern we know is in need of further transformation and awareness of a stuck place in our spiritual life where we don't know how to get unstuck. There is a sense that we, too, are waiting for something that has not yet been fully revealed. So we are all on a path. We are all on a road. And different issues come up, turns in the path, sudden climbs, steep declines, a delay for road work, or the worst, too much traffic. I know, in Northern Virginia, that's just a thing. So we, we find ourselves saying, why do all these people have to be going to the same place that I want to go to? But here are some encouraging words, and they're written on the bottom of your sheet for you to have for your path. And I just want you to be encouraged. The Bible uses this path um, metaphor a lot for describing our lives. So Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Psalm 23, 3, he renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Psalm 32, 8, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Isaiah 48, 17, this is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is good for you and leads you along the paths you should follow. And I just want to encourage you right now, if you're at a spot on the path where it's hard for you to see anything, It's hard to see what's behind. It's hard to see what's in front. You don't know. I just want you to be encouraged. He sees you. He sees you. He knows where you are. And all of these scriptures talk about him actually guiding and leading. It's not saying that he's a GPS device. And if the satellite messes up, well, oops. It's saying he's right there. He's a present guide leading and guiding us. He's with you on the path. I was privileged to drive Becca to school Friday morning. She is away on a band trip, and um, she had to be there at 5 a.m. So we drove through Tyson's Corner and over the almost empty Beltway on our way to Marshall High School with zero delays. So how many know that later on that morning, none of those paths were very empty? <laughs> we were just commenting about it. You know, like in the middle of Vienna, all the, in the middle of the night, all the lights up and down 123 are just on flash. You know, you can just zip through everything. It's just, yeah. So in our densely populated area, the idea of having a path all to myself sounds rather appealing I might like just doing this alone. But let's think about the Emmaus Road and the truth of community. The reality of being between the now and the not yet, that part is out of our control. We can't manufacture the end. We can't create the solution. We can't snap our fingers and arrive. God has not put those things within our ability to control But we do have control over one thing, whether we will walk the road alone or choose to walk it with others. There are times for solitude. There are times for self-care, withdrawing to a quiet place and just being alone. So I'm not saying that that's not true. We often want to do this, especially following a trauma or crisis. But what we see on the Emmaus Road is that the disciples' choice to walk together in the middle of great crisis and speak honestly about their experience caused Jesus to come near and join them. There is something about choosing to walk together that invites the presence of Jesus. I want you to just think about that a moment. Craig mentioned it before he started reading the scripture. We don't really know how or why the different appearances of Jesus, what all fed into that. But what we see here is he was drawn to this very authentic conversation walking together. It drew his presence in. What does the scripture say? It says that when two or three are gathered in his name, he is in the midst. When we choose to walk together, we invite the presence of Jesus to be a part of it. Gather implies intent. In his name says it's an intentionally getting together with others in Jesus name. Choosing to walk together. What transforms is not anything but the presence of Jesus. I can't transform myself. I certainly can't transform you. (laughs) You can't transform yourself. It's the presence of Jesus, but that presence is something deeper when we gather together. So, quoting from the book, as we discover ways to open to Jesus' transforming presence on the road between the now and not yet, it becomes a transforming community. Jesus as the central focus here is crucial. This is not an attempt to build community around any other dynamic. So definitions here for transforming community, men and women and young men and women gathered around the presence of Christ for the purpose of being transformed in Christ's presence so they can discern and do the will of God. So that is uh, Ms. Barton's distillation of Romans 12, 1 and 2. If you think about it, we're gathered in his presence, worshiping him so that we will be transformed and then be able to discern and do the will of God. What is spiritual transformation? The process by which Christ is formed in us for the glory of God, for the abundance of our own lives, and for the sake of others. It's what we're about, worshiping and glorifying God, living the abundant life within ourselves, letting that eternal life live itself out in us and Christ be formed in us and for the sake of others, okay? The eternal life of God is in us, and as we allow Christ to be formed in us, transforming us to be more like him, the abundant life gains more and more ascendance over the natural course of this world. I deeply desire for us to be a transforming community. Even beyond the sense of family, or the joy of friendship, the comfort of relationship, I want all of that. I want all of that. But first and foremost, I want your being here, your intentional gathering in Jesus' name at 1030 a.m. at 100 Air Hill Avenue Northeast in Vienna, Virginia. I want that to be a gateway into a transforming community. I want you to experience, oh, I can't tell you how much. I want you to experience all the abundance of the abundant life living. Jesus has this for you, and I ache for that to be what all of you have. And I'm not talking about wealth or possessions or fame or glamour or prestige or power or any of the ways that the world might define a rich and satisfying life. I'm talking about the life of God living in you. I'm talking about joy unspeakable. Glory that shines through your countenance, peace that passes understanding, love that lays down its life, generosity that flows in every direction, justice that rings from the mountains, and freedom that dances in the streets. I'm talking about an abundant life in Christ, and I want to see that so much in you that it just, it just, you can't contain it. It's just, it's just shaking out all over the place. That's what I wanna see. So we're gonna end with opening our hearts in two areas and I have, a, I have a strategy here, but it's for you. It's just set out for you. First off is choosing to walk together. Now for some, this is just simple, you're, you're all in. For others, this, is a, this is, could almost be a deal breaker. And so I'm not asking you to do anything about this at this moment, other than we're going to just be quiet for a moment. And I'm asking you to have an open heart and declare your willingness to be in community. Specific, intentional opportunities to gather or get together will probably be shared later. I don't even know what all those might be. But what has to happen first is an open heart toward that intent to choose to walk together. So I want you to take a moment to ponder what that means to you and to just give your answer to the Lord. And I'm just going to be quiet for a minute. I have my agreement to your prayer. Lord, I pray that you will see these open hearts. And anybody that is struggling with the commitment to walk together, would you help us with that too, Lord? Amen. Okay, our final thing is I, I am asking for you to come up here. And, and what I have laid out on the altar just to go along with this path metaphor, okay, are some road signs. <laughs> so what we wanna pray for is the in-betweens. Where are you? What's happening? What is, if somebody was to say, I am waiting on this. I know this is my thing. I'm, I'm, I'm either stuck or this has happened and I don't know what's gonna happen next. So the, the signs are just as simple, and there's, there's enough, it looks like, that if, you, if two of these relate to you, take them. But it's for you to have, for you to write on the back of it or however you would want to do. But what I'm going to ask you to do is that acknowledgement of what that thing is, your feeling that you're in that liminal space. I want to encourage you that throughout Scripture, God uses these spaces to work his purposes. If Every story you read, you will be able to think about it and identify, oh, yeah, there was the I knew this was going to happen, but then it didn't happen yet aspect or something going on in the scripture. And God uses those spaces to work his purposes in our life. So I have some images of road signs that might be a good visual for you. Um, there's, like, a curve ahead, a slow down, a road work, a watch for children, a stop, a speed limit. You can choose a, a card or two. I want you to just find a space. I want you to spend some moments praying over these things, okay, and... um I think what I feel today is I'm actually going to play the piano a little bit while you're doing that, okay? So I invite you, I'm inviting everybody to walk together in this and come choose a card. Let's have some moments in prayer.